Muddy Knees Media. This Christmas slash Hanukkah slash Winterval slash holiday season, The Athletic wants you to bog off. Because when you buy one annual subscription, you'll get another one for free. And similarly, when you gift a year's subscription, you can get one for yourself and no extra cost. So wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash Scottish show. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Hamilton get a hosing from Hibs. Good wins, good win. And Martindale is the Lion King. I'm Andrew Slavin and joining me today as always, the queen of this podcast, Laura Brannan. Although you are senior producer at Motherwell. And my princess, JJ Bull, but also known as Telegraph Football Reporter. How are you? Hello, more writer. Hello, more writer. Yeah, Yeah. more writer. Um, You guys good? All good, all good. Excellent. Um, Before we start, um, we need to send our best wishes to Scotland, the national defender, Jen Beattie. Um, She was a guest on this podcast two weeks ago and she revealed in an interview on Saturday that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. She's shown a lot of bravery to speak about this publicly um, and raise awareness about the need to get checked. And it's a lot harder for, for women in 2020 due to resources being stretched by the COVID-19 outbreak. Very courageous of her coming out and talking about that yeah. publicly. You don't have to. Like, you don't have to make yourself the um, public uh, I don't know, symbol. She's got a platform and she's using it. You don't always have to do that. I think you should be commended for doing stuff like that. Um, yeah, just to echo what DJ's saying there, it is very courageous of her coming out. She didn't have to do that. I think it's very difficult in this year of all years for anyone really kind of suffering this horrible illness just now. Cancer's kind of taken a back step, I think, focus-wise and also just in terms of health checks as well. So it's a very, very tough time, but there's been a lot of kind of male footballers that have come out over the years that you can look to that have provided inspiration Um and also just sort of, um, it's, it's really helpful for spreading that message to, to younger supporters who don't really think of it as a, a realistic thing to happen to them, especially someone who's young and fit and healthy. So as much as it's, it's not her place to, it's not, it's not necessary for her to be the spokesperson in this sense, and it's very much a personal choice, it is also a very helpful thing for the wider community to hear it. She was wearing pink boots on Sunday, guys, uh, for Arsenal, and ended up, on the losing side at Man City, thanks to a stoppage time winner from our Scotland teammate Caroline Weir. And JJ, you spoke to Caroline not too long ago, didn't you? She, I was talking to her because she was nominated for the Puskas Award. <laughs> it's sentimental. And, uh, <laughs> but she was. She had scored a goal against Man United. She had an absolute pinger on her left foot from the left side of the box. So she striking yeah. across it. Yeah. She's, I talked to her th- uh, talked through the technique of it, how she hit it. It didn't win. It's not, it's not going through to the, the final, which is on the 17th. Pretty cool she's nominated, though. I'm not yeah, sure there's absolutely. many many Scottish people ever nominated for the Pushkiss Award before. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. And it is Tavernier. Oh, that oh, is phenomenal. Oh. Wonderful. James Tavernier sums up his 
sensational season with one kick and fires Rangers in front of Tannadice. Captain Tav stealing the show again for Rangers as they maintained a 13-point lead at the top of the table with a 2-1 victory against Dundee United. It was Rangers' first trip to Tannadice actually since 2013 when Ali McCoist's Rangers were beaten 3-0 in the Scottish Cup. But um, things seem to be a lot rosier now and amongst the Rangers camp. It's just it's just an absolute machine between those guys right now. They're just unbeatable. But that's two two goals from set pieces. That's one of the things that they've done this season. They haven't always steamrolled folk. They've often taken advantage of like, every single last bit that they can. Every bit of preparation they can do, they've done well. First goal is a free kick that he's pinged in the top corner from about 30 yards. It's mental. The, the height and dip he gets on it to put that in from that far out. Uh, and the second one, uh, really poor defender by Dundee United, but Goldson's still on the head to get the header on it. Like I think it's um, Harks is... They're marking it zonally across the well, the blind they're holding, and then Colson just comes out and then and steals his head onto the ball. What about what about the the Dundee United goal was pretty special as well. To be honest, it's the first time that I've almost seen Rangers carved open. To be honest, it's not and carved it open, though, is it? Well, it is. Have you not seen the build up? The, yeah, the, it's the not. ball retention, the ball retention, and then the link up between the two fullbacks. Great nah, delivery and a it's great not finish. carved open. It's a long diagonal from the centre circle because they dropped deeper, and then the finish is unbelievable. Like you, you score that once out of every fifty. Oh, give them credit, Gigi. Come on, I, I'm giving them cr- they, for they what? Really, what are you talking about? I'm giving <laughs> them credit. Really well, they did really well in the first half, to be honest. I thought Dundee United did do well. Like they, they've got a lot they can be pleased about in terms of this, and the question now is, is whether they can build on it. They, they did well. Um, I thought Conley was exceptionally um, one of the standouts, did very well defensively. Like, they were firefighting for most of the match, I get that, um, but they still managed to create chances. They still did well. Um, yes, there was always going to be faults, the, the long balls, and there wasn't a lot being created in midfield, but I think a lot of that was down to the tactics because of the gameplay against Strangers. Um, but I, I think Dundee United can come away happy from this one. I guess you can see it's kind of frustrating for them because when Celtic went to Tannadice earlier in the season, they held on and held on and lost it right to the death. And it was a very kind of close game in that sense. Like They, they went out with a game plan. It was to defend and frustrate Rangers. And they, they managed it for most of the game and just didn't really come away with anything um, in the end. But can I be controversial for a minute? I don't... Always. I don't think Tavernier um, should be a contender for goal of the season with this free kick. Why is that? I don't like free kicks being in goal awards because they're Why not? <laughs> because they're all the same. <laughs> they're they're all impressive when they go in, and yes, some can be a wee bit more impressive than others because they're further out. It's phenomenal technique. Sure enough, it's not a team goal, but it's an individual one. There's, it's all subjective. There's different kinds of goals. And back on like Dundee United, I wasn't taking any credit for them for one second. I was talking about how Rangers only won this from set pieces. Because that was how Dundee United set up. Like they only had like something like twenty five percent of possession, right? The whole game plan was sit behind the ball, deep block, hit them on the counter as, as well as you could. Because that's what Dundee United been trying to do this season is kind of grind out these nil nils and one nil wins. And they were like, I agree, they were, they'd come away with a lot of credit. I'm interested that you brought up the fact that Rangers had to rely on on set pieces. I think over the the course of the game, when you take into account possession and the amount of chances, Rangers were deserved winners in this game, but had to rely on set pieces. It could have been harder if Alfredo Morelos was sent off for what looks to be an elbow or an arm in the face to Mark Connolly. 
it looks to me like he's uh, he's done him because he, he moves his arm after he's coming down. He knows what he's up to. Oh, it's like, Snade, isn't it? One hundred percent. He totally knows what's going on. And what I don't know is I, I haven't seen any foul in the build up to that particular moment, so that I can't see. You know, sometimes if if a player in your team gets smashed by an opposition player, you might you know say like your card's marked, mate, uh, and and you kind of back up your teammate by going in and just leaving a leg in or whatever. But um, I don't know when it gets to the point where Rangers are maybe just sick of this, these antics from Alfredo Morelos. Because I do wonder if maybe they're getting to a point where they might be better without him. I just, I just don't care. <laughs> Morelos and his red card antics. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll be gone next season. Do you think the, the retrospective punishment will come his way though? Because no. I think everyone's unanimous though. They're, they're all saying that. It was clearly an elbow, it was violent conduct. I know he got booked in the moment, but did the referee miss the actual violent conduct aspect of it? I mean, what is it's going on? It's maybe whether or not that it's deemed to be malicious. So Yeah, and it looks I mean it looks like he's done it, but you still can't say one hundred percent because you don't know. <laughs> and I think that's enough to say, well, you just move on from that. Like it's maybe I mean, not it's, it's easy to say let's move on from it, but I mean mm. it came at such an early point in the game that could have changed the whole setup of what happened next. Yeah, Potentially. But- but banning him now is not going to give them three points. Oh back, no, of course, of course not. But then <laughs> it also kind of shows the credibility of Scottish football to kind of highlight these mistakes and say, well, that's not acceptable in our game, and you cannot go and then do it next week and get away well, with the, it again. The, 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 the key point for me is that the referee books Morelos for this, so he clearly has by booking him, he's saying he's seen the incident and he obviously deems it not to be a red card. But I don't think anything else is going to happen. Um, but what is happening to Rangers is that they had a very, I think, fanciful draw in the last 32 of the Europa League, drawing Royal Antwerp. So joining us to talk about that is European football expert Kieran Canning. All right, Kieran, you all right? Not bad, yourself? Wonderful. I'm in a great mood. <laughs> um, talk to me about Antwerp. They're known as the Great Old, which is quite appropriate given the the oldest club in Belgium, 140 years old, in fact. Yeah, and I think a pretty good Europa League draw for Rangers as well. Um, They got through to this stage from Tottenham's group. Obviously, they beat Spurs at home, which would probably be the the result that stands out. But uh, it was a much-changed Tottenham team. Um, They got through that group with with four wins from six, but if we're sort of judging them against a team that Rangers have played very recently in, in standard Liège, um, they're pretty much level pegging with them in the, in the Belgian league at the moment. And given what Rangers have shown in the Europa League, not just this season, but particularly this season, um, they shouldn't really hold much fear for Rangers, I don't think. I was just sort of looking at their, their more recent um, performances, even last season, and they didn't get into the Europa League group stages going out in the, the playoff stage to to Alkmaar. There are a few names in there that more sort of British football followers might be aware of. Uh, Jordan Lukaku is uh, Romulo's brother. Is he actually uh, good, Kieran? Decent. He's like a good Europa League level. He's on loan from Lazio. I don't yeah. think whenever he's... I think he was in Newcastle, was he briefly as well? I don't think he's um, he's ever really made it at like a, a top five European League kind of level. Um, caps, yeah, but decent. It's weird. Yeah, Belgium are a bit weird like that though, because there's you know sort of random Galacticos next to you know <laughs> Dedrick Boyatas and like, <laughs> um, 
And also a striker, Mbukani, who is at Norwich briefly as well. He was sort of the major threat when they, when they beat Tottenham at home. So what do you think Rangers' chances actually are in this game? I think they have a very good chance of going through this this round. Again, you know, winning the uh, the group means they'll be away first, so they'll have the second leg uh, at Ibrox. But given, I say, given their, their away form, um, they'll be hoping to, to sort of build a, a lead. And the other thing that's interesting for them looking further, potentially further ahead in the competition, is the way that the draws worked out. You know, it could open up for them. There's going to be quite a lot of the sort of favourites for this competition going out in this round. You see the Real Sociedad's um, playing Manchester United's Arsenal getting Benfica. So yeah, there's there's definitely the chance for for Rangers to go pretty deep in, in the Europa League. When you look at last season, when even when they were falling away domestically, they managed to get to the last sixteen, and they've progressed every year under Gerrard, so they just missed out in the in qualifying from the group stages in his first year, getting through to the last 16 last year, so I think they'll be hoping to go even further this time around. Well, the fans who are back in the ground today for the first time are making a lot of noise, despite being spread out all the way from pitch side to the uh, highest tier. Yeah, I'm not sure they should be there, Mark. Uh, why is that, Steve? Well, you're not allowed to watch a game in the highest tier, are you? Uh... Stadiums might not yet be full, but Paddy Power's offers are at full capacity. If one leg of your 4 plus 4 Acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football and all markets. The Acker Cracker from Paddy Power. Max free bet £10, min odds 1 to 5 on each leg, online exclusive, exclude shop bets, T's and C's apply, 18 plus begambleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Back-to-back wins for Neil Lennon Celtic as they overcame Kilmarnock 2-0 a few days after a 3-2 win over Lille and a dead rubber in the Europa League. And um, Laura, all Neil Lennon had to do was bring David Turnbull in and a few others, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like I've been saying it for months. Honestly, like, it's not a surprise to me this is happening. Before... Now, before Thursday night in the Europa League, Turnbull had played 235 minutes since joining Celtic in August. That accumulates to two and a half games. He hadn't completed a 90 minutes, he still hasn't completed a 90 minutes since he was at Mullimo in August. And I've been saying it for weeks, I just don't really understand how you make an impact when you're playing 13 minutes here, 5 there, 22 there. He's not really been given the chance to really do something in the team. But so he started this game on Thursday night in the Europa League and made an instant impact and kept his place in the team for the, the league game at the weekend. He's he's clearly injecting some form of life into this team just now. He's what he brings as a footballer is nothing new in terms of what I've been saying. Look, he's 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 got great composure, he's he's got great awareness, he's he's great at finding space and creating chances and setting players up with balls, be it dead balls or or in the game itself. And he makes the keeper work himself. But to finally see him doing that now that he's been given his chance, I don't think Lennon can justify dropping him now, do, do you? Well, Neil Lennon's came out after this win and um, to talk about the upcoming uh, final against Hearts at the weekend and said the players that got us to the final should play in that <laughs> final. So I don't think you'll see the likes of David Turnbull... Maybe not. Which should really be incredible considering how much of an impact he's made in the last two games, which they have won. So 
you, how do you ju- how do you justify dropping him? Because players last season got them to a cup final, and okay, there was one off game this season, but the squad has changed. You can't punish the, the the club in general by dropping a player just because he wasn't around to play in previous rounds. Honestly, if he's dropped and Celtic lose the final, they've got it coming to them because this boy can win them the cup final. Maybe, but it seems to be a. a a moment where Celtic and Neil Lennon have made this decision to freshen up the squad. The likes of Connor Hazard coming in in goals and um, Ishmael Asoro, uh coming at the squad. JJ, does this... I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but is it is it something Lennon obviously should have done a long time ago to freshen up the squad rather than relying on a team that was desperately out of confidence? I mean, when they win, you think yes, but it's very hard to say, isn't it? Like there's a couple of changes here. He played um, played Christopher Ayer at right back, which is kind of weird. And then he was pushed up quite high, but staying more central than the right back might go. And he had Frimpong ahead of him. And Frimpong's a lot more uh, mobile, as you say. He's you know he's nice and quick. He's basically a winger. He's, the, he's a wing back basically. So you play him as a sort of wing back at the right wing, which is weird. And if you put cause if you played David Turnbull, where would you put Ryan Christie? And Ryan Christie would then probably right mid, which is where he came on um, later in the game. But then he attacks central position, so you need to have a right back who's uh, more of an attacker, which would be Frimpong than Ayer. So it kind of changes everything you do, has a knock-on effect all over it. Do you think it should be a choice between Turnbull and Christie? No, I, I th- the only way you could get Turnbull and Christie in the same team, I would think, is if you played two kind of attacking midfielders, sort of the way that Man City play, like they play a six and they play two like free eights ahead of them. So like a 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. That's the way you could do it. I think you could play Christie wide, probably on the right, because he's left-footed. Or you could play Christie as a second striker. Um, I really like David Turnbull. Like I th- thought he's a, a magic player. Get him in the team. But in terms of d- does he need to freshen up the team, you think maybe because you get different ideas and different energy and people have proved themselves to get in the team. Like Scott Brown, right, is the leader of Celtic. He's the captain. He's the one that, even when he's not playing very well, people around him tend to be better. Maybe not this season. Soro looked, he's been great since he's come in. He's not hugely different to how he plays, you know. Did you like his? There's a great picture of going around of Ismail Asoro uh, celebrating Shane Duffy's goal, um, <laughs> where it just looks like a small boy hugging their dad. <laughs> just, he's so happy, but Shane Duffy's obviously like six foot four or whatever, and Ismail Asoro's like five foot seven. This <laughs> is quite funny. Here's one for you as well. I think the missing, like the secret to Celtic success, is when they play Greg Taylor at left back. They put Laxalt in the rest of the time, and they haven't been winning. They put Greg Taylor in. There you go. The secret is Kilmarnock players. But um, I would argue that Laxalt was probably one of Celtic's better players in that run of dismal form that they had. So it's, maybe I don't know. It's it's they are they are, they do give two different um, the two different types of players. But what do you guys think about the protests that happened outside the ground before the game? Um, with the message being that back the team, but sack the board. <laughs> It's, it's, these these protests have been run by the Celtic Trust, aren't they? Like they've kind of said it's what was it the, the quote I've got here? Um, it is not a healthy thing to have the control of the football club vested in two people, particularly when one is a financial investor with no emotional investment in Celtic. His motivations are different. Um, like it's been disastrous so far. These last ten years have been horrible. Yeah, I, I, think, yeah. I need answers. <laughs> I think we've kind of touched on it before of just um, how well Celtic, how lucky Celtic fans have had it in recent years, um, and 
how we all we're all quite jealous of what they've had in recent years. Like if if a financial investor is there and he's willing to put his money in, that's clearly a benefit, especially at times like this. Um, yes, his motivations might be different, but not everyone at Celtic has to be what you know they call a, a good old Celtic man, mm-hmm. uh, which is sometimes something the fans don't quite grasp. <laughs> um, but as I've said in previous weeks. Yes, fans are completely entitled to protest if they're unhappy and fair play to them. Um, as far as I'm aware, they did it in a, a safe way and they, they were promoting it to be quite safe in, the, in this kind of COVID situation we're in just now. And I, did, I did quite like the, um, the, the Peter Lawwell comparison to Trump in that cartoon style. Um, I've oh, never I seen, seen I have never seen Peter Lowell looking like Trump before, but they managed to pull it off in a really wow. strange way. He looks like Trump in this cartoon image that they've made. It's very strange. Um, they did weird things to my brain. I, I kind of had oh, to re- respect them for that. Um, oh, they managed to make two people look nothing like each other look quite <laughs> similar. As as for Kilmarnock, um, only one shot on target. It, it seemed like a bit of an easy game for Celtic because Kilmarnock didn't offer much. Disappointing for them, JJ, obviously. But what do they have to do in the next few games to try and get it back? Because there's been a few bad results for them. Well, you got to play differently against you got to play differently against Celtic and, and Rangers. So I mean, they played how you'd, you'd pretty much have expected them to. Uh, back four, five across the midfield. Um, they had you know Dicker as that sort of defensive midfielder trying to break things up, but Celtic that little uh, change in tactic where they ha- rather than having a three at the back they have one more person going forward, so that really helps when you're playing against teams who sit back and try and break it down. The, um, Celtic didn't create like they were definitely a better team. I don't think they created huge chances. Yeah, do you know like it was another day Kamara can maybe have held on for nil nil, and that's been ha- happening to Celtic a lot recently. This has not been going their way, but this is the kind of win they needed just to get a. Uh, Elianusi's goal, decent enough. And then just a, a bit of poor marking at a corner and Duffy managed to slam the header in. It, you know, it's not that they, they, they didn't walk over them. It wasn't completely easy, but I think Killy will be fine for future games. The same same system, they attack down the wings. Um, they are missing uh, Chris Burke. That's a big thing. Like Without yeah. that, their yeah. best player by miles, they haven't got the same attacking threat. Dangerous ball, it must be, it is. And there is the Kevin Nisbet goal. And they don't get much simpler. And Hibs are running riot. Hibs went second on Saturday for 24 hours at least, uh, with a blistering 4-0 win over Hamilton at New Douglas Park. Hamilton were awful. This is they were awful. I, I mean, have you, have you seen this? I have. I have only seen part of highlights. It's disgraceful. <laughs> I mean, well, this is the thing. I was looking at a few stats on Hamilton and the amount of times that they concede the first goal, they just cannot defend. They just genuinely cannot defend. Man, this is... like oh, You can see the highlights of it. They're just all over the place. Really? Like, Hibs, yeah. oh, well, Hibs are trying to pass... Hibs play nice passing football. It looks really nice. It's Jack Ross football, so it, you know it, it's all positional-based and they know where they're going to go. But Hamilton couldn't get their own half, could do anything. Every single pass was a long ball. The goals all came from turnovers, just from long boots up the pitch. Mm-hmm. And Hamilton can play sometimes. I don't know what the hell they're playing at. It's really weird. I saw two through balls from Hanlon, like on the deck, 
right down the middle of the pitch. Like mm-hmm. that just should not be happening. That has to, someone has to be either out of position so that they can't intercept the ball. Um, but always, I, th- I think they came from the middle of the park as well. So there's not even pressing going on. Well, Brian so Rice that, was reacting during the game. Like he changed the, the system a few times during the match to try and <laughs> try and get something out of them. But often the tactics just don't matter if your players don't turn up and they can't keep the ball. Yeah, I mean, he Brian Rice said that he thought Hamilton weathered the storm quite well after giving away the, the first goal um, and there wasn't much in it. <laughs> but we, we, so this, like, he, he does that to try and top them up, right? It's because they're, they're, they're young you can't lay into them and you have to you can't, you can't have to protect them a little bit against that. He he knows mm. they were woeful. Like, there's some players that won't get back in the team after that. Well, I don't know if they've got the squad for that though, JJ. Well, just don't play any players. Play eight men. Hamilton, <laughs> <laughs> they might do better. Hamilton really need to make um, New Douglas Park a fortress because they've got to really embrace this um, this pitch because clearly teams don't like going to play on it. I think that's a really well worn argument, but they need to take that and put that in their favour now. They've only won one game at home in the league this season, and it shouldn't be like that. When you've got an advantage, so to speak, in inverted commas, um, they need to play on that. Um, they've got Levy. Celtic and Motherwell coming up next before the turn of the year they should be targeting six points out of those three games but the way things are going just now for them I can't see them getting points because they are doing so badly they're going to finish 10th we know that but they th- I this don't performance... know man I don't, I don't think so this season uh, I don't but... think they've got the squad I don't think they've got the players they'll finish 10th I, 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 yeah but I feel for Brian Rice because I, I, I don't think he can do much more with the squad that he has We'll come to this later on as well, but the difference between Hamilton and St Mirren, you can sort of you can see it in the, even the highlights of the games. As in Hamilton are much much worse. I still think they'll finish tenth, but the uh, this is about as good like a perfect example of why teams should try and play the ball in the deck and play out from the back, even if it's it allows for longer passages of play and maybe a slower football. Because Hamilton had no control of the game, out of possession or in possession. Like it, it reminds me of watching football back in like the nineties when people were just pumping it forward. There was just it was brainless, headless. Just a young team didn't know what they're doing. Really, really bizarre. Obviously, Hibs are happy. Seven wins from ten away now from home, um, and they obviously like playing on plastic pitches, Laura, because they well they they better because they've got Alawan uh, Athletic up next in the League Cup quarter final on Tuesday night. It's, it's all going well for Hibs just now, isn't it? Yeah. Is it- 16 goals in six games for them. They're, just, they're also just scoring from different areas of the pitch and they've got different players scoring for them as well. It's just kind of all going well. You've got Doidge and Boyle scored two weeks in a row now. Both of the McGinn's are getting in on it. Nisbet as well is back in on it. Murphy's had a couple of few weeks back as well. Like Paul McGinn. <laughs> like they're all getting in the act of it. They're all coming from different areas in the pitch. It's, it's a great time to be a Hibs fan just now. Yeah. Well, as for Aberdeen, they were just won for the second time in eight matches. Um, they saw off Ross County at Pataudry 2-0 on Saturday. Um, but it seems like a bit odd for Sam Cosgrove, JJ. Um, linked with a January move to Newcastle. He got benched for this game. But who needs him anyway, eh, JJ? You've got Curtis Main. He's the main man. The, yeah, that's the one. There he is. Big Curtis comes in. Cosgrove, You've been I a think big fan of his of a while, haven't you? Of course, me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's go with that. <laughs> I mean, Cosgrove's come back from an injury that was obviously quite difficult to come back on. It, it disrupted any momentum he might have picked up. So he needs to get back on form and regain his fabled match sharpness. But uh, it's, it's not quite worked for him playing up top in the last few games because 
what you tended to have with uh, different strikers playing there, like you've had Marley Watkins and, and players like that in that uh, the forward three. So it's either a two and a one, or uh, like two and a one, like a Christmas tree, or a one and a two, uh, like a reverse Christmas tree. <laughs> and uh, An upside down Christmas tree, <laughs> a triangle but reversed. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just not quite working. Again, I don't. Some of the attacking play, I'm just not a big fan of just now watching Aberdeen. It's something not quite quite working. I think Dean Campbell was excellent in this game. I thought Ross County offered basically nothing. They kind of were there for a draw or something like that. But then I think Aberdeen were also there for a draw. And uh, <laughs> They seem very good at holding on to leads, though. Cause that's all they do. That, it's like yeah. Mourinho. It's like Mourinho, yeah. honestly. So they take the lead and that's it. That's the game lockdown. I mean, that's a pretty good... <laughs> kind of component to have if you're a team no I mean it's just it's it's I mean where does that came from is it just a little bit of luck or are they just just very difficult team to break down no it's like um, I mean there's so many things that are similar between how McInnes plays and how Jose Mourinho teams play for example it's a man-to-man marking system all over the pitch so it's not zonal at all it's all like one person is in charge of one person so you can identify where things go wrong the idea is that uh, you wait for someone else to make a mistake. So rather than having the ball and being able to be vulnerable yourself, you know, turn over possession and be weak, uh, you sit back and wait for the opponent to make a mistake. And if you have good players, if you're better than the opponent and you'll play that way, you tend to win games. It's how Mourinho's done his whole career. And McInnes is sort of like that. And Ross County, like they're bottom of the table now, haven't won in nine games. Yep. I couldn't see them getting, getting into this one uh, uh, at all. Everything seems safe the whole time. They need to play some more Betfred Cup games because that's where they've scored most of their goals. <laughs> Have you seen the, the the news that Ross Stewart's been linked to Aberdeen again? So oh, yeah. Such a McKinnis signing though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, mean, it seems like a replacement for Cosgrove, if I'm honest. That's what I was thinking. And McKinnis has said he wants ball carriers in the team as well as speed. And I think Ross Stewart does kind of tick that box. He's been linked to this pre-contract. I don't think it's the first time, to be honest, he's been linked with the move. But I feel like that would be a good... A good move. It, it was interesting. There was, I, th- I feel like there's kind of comparisons there with. Um, do you remember last season when Lyndon Dykes scored against Celtic, and suddenly his his profile just shot up, and it obviously led to this move down south. And now, obviously, Ross Stewart scored against Celtic, um, put him out of the cup. And I just wonder if there's similar comparisons there. He's going to get this big move to Aberdeen as a, as a result of, or even even somewhere else. But I mean, it wasn't that long ago Stewart was playing junior level. I mean that would be that's, this would be a disaster for Ross County if that was if he was to leave the Staggies because he's he kind of everything about how County set up their game just get the ball to Stuart. Um, well, the, I mean, the only disaster been that... was getting no fee. That's the only disaster. It's, I mean, they they know this will happen. Like, he's been one of the better players, one of the better players outside the the, the old firm for the last few seasons. I think, um, well, two seasons, and uh, it, it's. I think it was obvious he was going to go to Aberdeen at some point. There <laughs> he goes. It just seems like such a McKinnis signing. Him and then uh, Laura won't like this, but I think as soon as like Lewis Ferguson goes, it'll be Alan Campbell. It's just that kind of players. Once you yeah. stand out at the clubs and they've got the right head on them, that's what it is. Well, after the break, the buddies bust Brannon's bubble. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. 
St Mirren host Rangers in the Betfred Cup quarterfinals on Wednesday and they come into it in uh, pretty cracking form after a 1-0 win at Fur Park against Motherwell and Jamie McGrath again three goals in three games it's a great finish as well yeah absolutely do you want to go Laura? Oh uh, yeah, I was like, I can't wait to talk about how Samira won this game. Yay! <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was a good finish from them. Very good um, result for Samira as well. They're on a very good run just now. Jim McGrath did well. And as you're saying, yeah, three goals in three games. They they took their chance and it was something that Motherwell didn't do. And um, they made Motherwell punish. Uh, they punished Motherwell for it and took the points home. So, so fair play to them. Um, I think it was kind of a game of two halves, I think. St Mirren did very well in the first half. I think Motherwell came right back into it in the second. Um, and from a Motherwell perspective, just not clinical enough in front of goal. I don't know if it's maybe a lack of confidence in front of goal, but we're creating chances towards the end. Did look as though we were going to get a last-minute equaliser. Um, so it was a wee bit disappointing to not come away with a point at the end of it. I think it was a good game for a neutral to watch. Um, I did hear a few saying completely the opposite. I don't know if that's maybe because I was emotionally invested in it, but I do think there was um, positives from both sides there. I thought St Mirren were really good in this game and they played some really, really nice football. And I'll say really some more times just to emphasise that. <laughs> but the, the goal especially is really great to watch. It's all build-up. It's all like short passes. They switch the play a lot. They're dragging Motherwell from side to side. Motherwell, because they're more of an expansive team, like open up. So St Mirren go through them really quickly. So they'll, St Mirren are spread out for the goal to make the pitch wide then pass through the middle of them. And Motherwell don't fall for the trap, but they spread out to try and cover them. And the... Sure enough, I'm not sure the final pass. I can't tell if it um, if it's a deflection. Like it comes off the goalkeeper, I think, because he's the force and I cross it back. The finish is nice, but the the build up before it is great. And throughout the game, St. Mirren stuck to that. It's what I was talking about earlier with Hamilton, where Hamilton were just launching it headless, no control. I thought St. Mirren knew what they were doing and were playing a certain way that they were like that will take them places. They've also sharpened up at the back because that's four games where they've only conceded one goal and that's what they were so good at last season. They they were they're kind of quite similar to what where they were last year. Um were not scoring a lot of goals but keeping quite a few clean sheets or keeping the goals down. Um and I just wonder if they're, they're they've now got over this early season hump and that they can try and get a couple more good results into the turn of the new year and actually find themselves up the table because I think they are a better team um, than their position in 10th currently kind of dictates. One of the reasons that they might be conceding less, I've not studied this enough to confidently say it, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the reasons they might be conceding fewer goals at the moment is because they are better able to control the ball. So it could be a confidence in possession that means they're not turning over the ball in such stupid places and they're not leaving themselves vulnerable in transition. So that could be one of the reasons that they're not conceding. I, I don't think it is. They, they drop into a deep block when they need to, like all teams do in the Premiership. Um, but yeah, that does make a difference when you can control the ball and keep it calm. Like if you pass along the ground, there's less chance for the, the, <laughs> the opponent to come at you all of the time. Perhaps. Uh, Laura, you sent us a great wee video in the, our little WhatsApp group <laughs> um, of Jim Goodwin really enjoying the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just um, after he, he the team has scored, he turned around and he walked over to the linesman and slapped his arse. I don't get he slapped, he slapped the linesman's arse. He just had a wee feel of his bum cheek. Was it just a tap? It was a bit of a tappy bum. It was a, it was a sort bum. of yeah. It was a sort of um, yeah. We tap. 
a wee, a wee sort of... It wasn't a tickle. I wouldn't call it a tickle. It was, it was just a... It was done in good humour. Um, I, I wasn't expecting... I don't know if this is something he does all the time. Um, hey, look, each to their own. I, was, I just wasn't expecting it. It was, it was very funny. I think it's quite prominent in football, actually. Yeah, it's really wee. weird. Yeah. I see all the time. Like, but Pep Guardiola, I've seen do it quite a lot to like, opposition players and stuff. Yeah. It's really odd. I don't think you should be putting your hand to the officials. Sounds a bit lame. But... <laughs> in fairness, the linesman does not react. He's a professional. He's st- keeping his eyes in the game, not on Goodwin. <laughs> I was going to say, I was, I was going to say, um, how good has Richard Tate been recently for St Mirren? Um, I, I kind of really wish, based on what I'd seen him, seen at the weekend and what I'd seen in highlights previously, I wish Motherwell hadn't, um, he hadn't left Motherwell in the summer because. He's been playing with a lot of confidence and, and freedom for St Mirren. And I, yeah, I just kind of, I miss having him around for Park. And it was nice to see him back on the pitch again at the weekend. And just a wee bit unfortunate, he wasn't doing us a favour. What was his celebrations like at full time? Did he enjoy the win? <laughs> I don't know, but I did hear him shout my name on the pitch when I was doing my, my full time filming. But I didn't really get a chance to speak to him at full time. He did. He shouted on me to get the ball um, when it went out for a throw in. And I was thinking... Am I hell playing ball boy for you? <laughs> like I'm not giving you the advantage. You can run after it yourself. Um, see, in the uh, Fair Park, they play. They actually pipe sound through right into the stadium. Is that yeah. the, the Premiership games as well? Yeah, is that we, not we really do. weird. It sounds really fake. I. It's actually it's authentic fan noise that we took from our recordings last season. Um, the whole but it's generic, season. right? It's not triggered for events. Or no, anything. no. It's it's all. It's a set. Um, tone um, it doesn't determine based on what's happening with the ball on the pitch so it's just a set track we we filmed the, the fans we had a camera locked on the, the ultras group last season so I just went into one of the, the games last year and took the best songs basically that they'd been singing and patched it all together to make a, a track for for the ambience really to kind of help them and I think I, I don't want to speak for the players hopefully it's helped them in some way I think everyone is, is missing the fans just now and it, look if it's just one little thing that helps push them on I think we kind of hope to do everything we can um, Dave Cormack's came out about fans again hasn't he Laura? Yeah that's, that's what I was going to say so just Dave Cormack it kind of feels like he's, he's fighting his battle to get the fans back in for the, the good of Scottish football he, Aberdeen came out with a really good table last week I don't know if you've seen it if you haven't check out um, I think it was last Thursday roughly that they, they posted it and it's just a table listing what Scottish football is allowed to do and not allowed to do compared to what English football is allowed to do and what other industries are allowed to do in current restrictions um, and again he's stressed and I think some people are getting mixed up here nobody is wanting full crowds back just now no one's even asking for for half full crowds they just want to get some fans back in and, and slowly build up from there um, and I think his point was very much there's an inconsistency when the likes of gyms are open and shops are open but football isn't allowed anything in terms of fans, even when English football have got it. Um, it was just it's some very interesting points. I'd, I'd recommend just checking out the table because it's one thing just harping on about, let's get fans back in and, and repeating the same message over and over again. But to actively show the inconsistencies was a really good step forward, I think. Yeah. Um, we're going to finish our roundup of the Premiership now with St Johnston. Livingston, which was a, a win for Livingston, 2-1. And uh, the new Alex Ferguson, David Martindale, three wins <laughs> out of three. <laughs> um, as you called him, JJ, the new Alex Ferguson, unreal. Did I say He's that? Martindale on his way to a knighthood. Um, but look, it's, it's actually kind of 
harder on St Johnston because it ended their 11 match unbeaten run. It's one of those where you just think the momentum, is it going to go now? Is that going to then lead into a run of disappointment for them? And we don't want St Johnston to be disappointed at Christmas, do we guys? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like I said, they'll be fine, St Johnston. They'll have some games that they win and some that they lose, like all football teams. They're They're just a middle of the road team. Correct. They're there. Yeah. They're going. They're getting better steadily, but that doesn't mean. I mean, you have to lose some games. It's a slight tweak of system from last week, where they had um, they had two strikers rather than one striker and two either side. It's just a subtle difference, yet huge at the same time. Guthrie scoring a header is it a free kick or so set piece? And then you've got um, uh, uh, Robinson's goal. Goalkeeper's hoof. Livingston is one of the things they do best. Is they knock the ball long. They do it more than any other team in the entire division. Uh, wow! Yeah, route one. Yeah, and then because the ball's headed back at, at halfway line, then St Johnston lose possession. There's like a turnover just there at halfway, just a little tackle, and that's enough to make them vulnerable. And the ball goes over the top, and it's a really, really good finish. Really, it, really good. Do you think Gary Holt left a bit too early? Do you think this this turnaround was actually yeah. coming? Yeah, I mean, we talked about the time when he he did come out and say and hint that it was maybe time for a change. We'd kind of were a bit surprised by that and we were kind of thinking well there are, there are worse managers just now in the league in terms of form um, it kind of came a wee bit from nowhere compared to maybe other teams that were struggling a bit I think if David Martial takes this job if he, if he gives himself the job I think it's great it's a great story it's a very unconventional route to management when you, you think about it all he's kind of explain that where did he come from yeah I mean so this is a guy who's a convicted drug dealer um, back in uh, God must be about 15 15, 20 years ago now, he's been yeah. in prison um, and he's came out and he, he's turned his life around. Um, he's been largely credited with how this team have, have got on because he's been the assistant manager um, throughout all the changes in previous years and and has kind of been been in charge in every way all but having the, the official title over his name. Um, but he's not just been involved in the, the, the coaching element of things at the club. He's, he's involved with everything at the club. He, if he's not plumbing some problem in the toilets, he's fixing the roof. Um, he does all the jobs around Almond Vale. Um, mm-hmm. he, he literally runs this club. And yes, I get there's this argument of should convicted criminals really be in such important roles and everything. Um, but... He's, he's turned himself around and why shouldn't he be given a chance to, to start a new career in that sense and, and start a new chapter in his life? I think he's, he's proved himself well. Eight goals in three games, only conceded one. Uh, it's, why not? Why not go for it? Yeah, he's, clear, he's clearly made an impact at Livingston and he largely credits Livingston as being the reason that you know he's in a much better place now. Um, but he's always said, and he admitted to this, that if he was to take the manager's job, it makes his position a bit nervy and that he, inevitably, if you're managing a football team, you will always get the sack eventually. Yeah, and then he would be out of the club. This is the problem with a lot of, um, you see it, your assistant manager steps up, they get dingied, and then that's him out of the club. Uh, I, I, I'm sure enough, he's won these like these three games, but the um, I'm not sure how much of an impact, really, in terms of football, you can make as a coach in like two, three weeks. I mm-hmm. think what's probably happening on the back of Gary Holt leaving is that uh, they may well have gone back to basics. Clubs always say this, but they are playing a straight-up 4-2-3-1 after Gary Holt's ambitious different shapes he was trying all the time, always a back three. 
Um, something like that could even just be helping a lot of players who are better used or better suited to playing a system like that. The fixtures might just have suited them a lot better than other ones as well. I still think Holt's a really good manager and the way he had them coached and playing will be, like you'll see it on the pitch. Obviously Martindale's helping with that before in training, um, but you won't see Martindale's version of the team for a, a while yet. So maybe Holt had to go, but I would say on that, um, sometimes it's not even doesn't matter how good a manager you are sometimes you just have to go and have a change of someone there because there's the, this nebulous unquantifiable thing that changes motivation wise of players I just wonder if did you see that David Hopkin had left Morton last week oh. um, obviously ex-Livingston manager got them promoted into the premiership but he left Morton for for good reason it was to help the club financially because so many clubs are struggling um right now but I, I wonder if i wonder if he would be welcomed back because obviously martindale was his assistant so i wonder if if that would be a welcome home it's not hard now that martindale says he wants it so it's yeah. kind of like <laughs> if they don't give him it or if he doesn't give himself it being the what is the what head of football operations livingston so yeah I mean, surely the buck stops with him. And he's like, no, David, go away. You left us once before. You're never coming back. Right, that finishes things again in terms of the premiership. So up next, it's a bit of fantasy football Scotland for everyone. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. There was some discussion this weekend about James Tavernier being the greatest fantasy football player ever. Um, that's in terms of goals, assists, uh, clean sheets. In any league, can anyone compete with him? Hasn't he got something crazy like almost 200 points? I mean, it's just the way that the league points are set up. It's just a little bit easier so. for defenders to get more points? I think, well... Defender scoring goals, yes. That's uh, I've always kind of played fantasy football with the sense of I go for a goal, a goal scoring defender. Um, I think is such a big a key part to it, and to get someone who's guaranteed to score goals because he takes the penalties is such a a big part of his game. But also to contribute from set pieces as well and open play is <laughs> the all round package. And not only that, he is keeping clean sheets at the back consistently. Rangers are doing so well at the back that he's getting the points everywhere so why would you not put him in your team why would you not captain him because he's clearly late years ahead of everyone in this league do you know what I find astonishing is that only 42% of people who play the game have James Tavernier in their team what that uh, Andrew's one of them <laughs> well this is the thing so there's FFS did some up, did an update this week so they've got new features in there there's a few more statistics and stuff that you can look into it so if you're struggling if you're if you're someone like Slaven, you can go and look into it and find out <laughs> what the hell you're doing wrong. So even though Tavernier is clearly the only player you actually need <laughs> to win various leagues on FFS, uh, the most owned player, did you know, is Kevin Nisbet. That is correct. 47% of players have him 
in their team. He's cheap striker, might as well. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's not it's not a huge surprise. I know you would maybe say, well, you've got to have Tavernier. He should be the most. But, I mean, in terms of um, impact in the league and being such a surprise, he's actually kind of more of an interesting kind of player. Yeah, but if you don't have Tavernier, you're missing out on about 30 points a week, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it's wrong. Got. It's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just I'm explaining that I can understand why um, he's maybe a bit more of an interest for people think, to have I think people team. are drawn to strikers. Yeah. Um, I think we'll probably look at their strikers to be their most important players, which is why I think a lot of people have Edward in their team. I completely play the opposite way. My strikers are the last ones I pick because they get you the least points. They only get you points if they score goals and they don't really get you points for doing anything else on the pitch. So I don't think it's worth putting a lot of money into your strike force. Five games coming up in game week 18. Like, What are your picks for this like in terms of who you'd maybe go for and, and in terms of the matchups between the teams? Well, there's no Celtic game because they're playing in the... Yeah, bench your Celtic players. Yeah. So uh, even though it might be worth in the future, I mean, you want El Yunusi in probably because he keeps scoring... Maybe David Turnbull in the future. Not now, obviously. Uh, Nicky Clark should hopefully be back from um, from isolation. Yeah, that's where he's been, isn't it? Oh, that's the, right, uh, yeah, of COVID course, thing. yeah, because they had a big COVID outbreak. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I would avoid Ross County v Hamilton. Absolutely no idea what's going to happen there. Rangers, by the way, is quite tough. Um, mm-hmm. But you'd think Tavernier again. you think maybe a 1 or 2 nil. It could be hard. Like, by the way, it'll be hard to beat in that, I think. Hibs, Dundee United. you think Hibs are the better team, but Dundee United really good at defending at the moment and locking games down so it could be that that's quite a low scoring game and St Mirren St Johnson I have absolutely no idea Aberdeen's a 1-0 win <laughs> I and mean, that's an obvious one every week yeah I would say with Hibs players um, Dodge and Boyle um, are good I got Paul McGinn right now. Both, Paul McGinn for me yeah I was going to say Paul McGinn's really cheap um, he has got high points but is it short lived that's the question um, in terms of, yeah, if, if Clark's back for United, great. Um, St Johnson, St Mirren's, hard to call, but if you want to kind of go there, then Stevie May's obviously good value for money. Kibamba as well. Um, there's, Arfield's a good bet for Rangers, I think. Um, he might not always play the full 90 minutes. He might not always get full appearance points, but he does score goals when he comes on. Um, is he expensive? Or does assist. I don't know how much he is, but I think he's goals and assists are um, more useful than getting a, 90, a point for playing 90 minutes. So Arfield costs £6 million, so he's 0.1 less than uh, Tom Rogic, and he's 0.4 less than Martin Boyle. Only 3% own him, so he counts as a differential. So that's um, decent enough, yeah. I need to pay more attention to these stats and um, <laughs> get my head down, because I am in dire straits. And, but and I'm clinging on to it, I don't care. The first couple of weeks, I was riding high, top of the league. Um <laughs> But yeah, I need to get my head down and and get some more points on the board. Uh, But we should move on because we want to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie. And Charlie, it's the Scottish Cup final on Sunday, Celtic v Hearts. Yeah, this Scottish Cup final is like a sequin dress with high heels. So last season. The question is, though... (laughs) I'll have that one. The question is, though, are Celtic so last season? Or do they have what it takes to complete the quadruple treble? Celtic are 9-2 on to lift the trophy. Hearts are at 17-2. You can get odds of 7-1 with Paddy Power of a repeat scoreline of the 2019 final, that being a 2-1 win for Celtic. We should kind of, you know, hold ourselves a little bit because we've got... This season's Betfred Cup quarterfinals coming up as well on Tuesday and Wednesday. 
Absolutely. It's Dunfermline v St Johnston, Alloa Athletic v Hibs, Livingston v Ross County and St Mirren v Rangers. Looking across the Ackers, if you went for four away wins, you'd get odds of 15 to 1. Conversely, if you think those ties might produce four home wins, you are a raging psychopath. (laughs) At least in the eyes of Paddy Power anyway, because the odds of that happening are 285 to 1. Oh my god, it's too good not to! That is that is some brilliant stuff, Charlie. And might I add, you look great in a dress. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply, and when the fun stops, stop. Plenty of cup action coming up, not just with this season's Betfred Cup quarter finals, but last season's Scottish Cup final between Celtic and Hearts on Sunday at Hamden. I wonder how much Celtic fans, you know, forget about the troubles of this season if they complete the quadruple treble from last season. I think it doesn't, does it paper over the cracks? Does it, you know, does it stop these protests? Will there be protests at Hamden? This question alone just sums up how ludicrous this situation is, doesn't it? I mean, will, if we, they pick up... will we take a break from protesting to celebrate winning yet another trophy? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it certainly looks like um, most of the team that got them to this position are going to be playing in this game. Um, but I, I particularly remember Hearts giving them a pretty good game last time in the in the cup final. Yeah, just just to kind of touch on what you're saying there, I I. Don't think all is forgiven if Celtic win this, uh, which is nuts in itself. But I think Celtic's fans see this as a kind of rite of passage for them. They they just can see well as Hearts. Um, it's a team that Celtic should be beaten regardless of whether in the Premiership or the Championship this season. Um, they expect nothing less than a win in a cup final. It's it's just it's a Celtic mentality. So I think it's a given. Um, They just expect to win it and then we'll move on and we'll go back to normality again on Monday after the celebrations. And Hearts are going to be full of confidence as well, JJ, because they absolutely smashed Queen 6-1 at Tynecastle. Yeah, you want to go into it with a bit of confidence, that'll help. I think um, if Hearts can avoid making any mistakes, I think they could hold Celtic for a lot of the game. Like, I mean, the obvious things everyone always says, every pundit in the world always, we've got to stay tight for 15 minutes, but it's dead true. If they can keep quiet and slow the game down whenever they need to and just not give the ball away in silly areas and not make mistakes at set pieces, there's absolutely no reason why they can't get something something out of it. I mean, it, it needs, as ever, it needs Celtic to have an off day, it needs Hearts to have a really good day, but Hearts have good players and they're playing quite well. It, it might help that they're playing Leicester opposition every single week at the moment because it you know, might pop them up a bit. I think I still think Celtic will win it, but Hearts could. <laughs> Yeah, of course. I mean, I did say that Hearts played well against Celtic in the last Scottish Cup final yeah. um, because they took the lead in that game. Uh, and the only reason Celtic won it was because odds on Edouard had a good day. Two goals from him. But that he's not he's not scoring at the moment. He's not in any form. The team aren't in any form, especially the one that may play at the weekend because these are the players that haven't been doing the business for the past two months. Well, yeah, this is the this is the time you want to play them. This is there's no better time to play Celtic in a cup final than right now. Yeah, you think, but then maybe it'll be all opposite way round. Maybe the players will be well. Now we'll show you, and they turn up, <laughs> and they're it's a cup final. I think Celtic just raise their level a little bit for these kind of games. They should do anyway. Boyce has also been doing so well just now. He's 
He's got six goals this season. Mm. I think Naismith needs to add more goals to his tally. Um, he's not played he's, that much, though, he's has not, he? No, he's not been playing as much. But I think if he's got the Euros in his sights um, at the end of the season, I think he needs either just to kind of keep banging more goals in whenever he does get on the pitch, or he needs a kind of big moment like this. Like a, I thought a you didn't like older goal. players playing for Scotland, Laura. Are you no. suggesting also that he doesn't try I, to score? I, I like <laughs> What are you saying? <laughs> no, no, I just mean um, he... If you're looking at it just now as an outsider getting back into the squad for the Euros in a striking sense, I think you're kind of looking at Naismith or Nisbet just now. Mm. Um, as things stand, Naismith more so on his previous form for Scotland than what he's doing this season. So I think for him to get ahead of Nisbet um, and cement that place, I think he needs either to keep banging in the goals when he gets a chance or to really make a mark by winning the game against Celtic with a goal. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm lo- I'm I'm actually really looking forward to to this game because I love Scottish Cup finals. It's a bit bizarre to be, you know, last seasons, um, and it's not right that it's being played without fans. But I'm still looking forward to watching it. Um, yeah, I think all the Hearts players just need to score goals and they'll, they'll win the game. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be the message between the Celtic team as well. Like I know it's been done in the, in like Champions League and Europa League and stuff, but see the thought of winning a trophy on a pitch. And lifting it in an empty hand, and that kind of breaks my heart a wee bit. Um, I just, I really, um, I don't like this idea of playing a cup final in front of, in front of no fans. It's horrible. I really the players like won't it. care though. I don't think the players will care that much at all. Will they it's not all care? Just about Do you think? No, well, I don't say not care completely, but I think at the end of the day, all they will care about is lifting the trophy. That's I the mean, only yeah. thing that really matters in them. We we saw in Serbia when you've got that success, you you get you're absorbed in it, so they will be in their own little kind of celebration bubble on the pitch I get that but there's no lap of honour so it's, it's going to be over so quickly compared to what it normally would be It'll be good for Hearts if they do win it because they lost you know former captain um, Marius Zaliukas so if they could lift the trophy for him it would be you know a pretty special moment for the club but I think that's us for today thanks for listening JJ Laura thank you for your wonderful company Thanks to Kieran Canning also and to the Little Kicks for this little theme song. We'll be back next Tuesday discussing the Scottish Cup final. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Muddy Knees Media.